Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This is the Soho Radio Podcast, showcasing some of the best broadcasts from our online radio station, right from the heart of Soho, London. Across our music and culture channels, we have a wide range of shows covering every genre, along with chat shows, discussions and special broadcasts. Here is just one of our recent shows. To catch the full show, head to our Mixcloud page or listen live at SohoRadioLondon.com. We are in the studio with Lobby, Toby, and Lottie. Thanks for being here. Hey, thanks, thanks for, for having, having us. us. Cheers. Yeah. <laughs> I actually don't know how to call you, Lottie. Do I call you Mushy Lottie? <laughs> <laughs> Lottie, aka Mushy P, if you'd like. But yeah, I was just doing a little plug there. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So, so Lobby is a trio with the two of you. And, yes. a, and a drummer? Yeah, mm-hmm. drummer Josh Gormley, who is someone I met when I used to live in Brighton. I think he was the first guy I spoke to on my uni course, and we've been friends ever since. And we we played, actually, we played in a bunch of sort of bands together when we were uh, at uni together in Brighton. Um, some good, mostly bad, I think. But then we sort of, uh, when Lottie and I met and um, started playing music together, when we first did Lobby, I think we had a we had a drum it was just us two and we had a drum machine that mm-hmm. neither of us really knew how to work like we would get one beat for each <laughs> song and it would just continue the whole time and it was like it's okay the songs i think were really good but it just like they all became swung yeah because <laughs> we couldn't get it off the swing yeah setting <laughs> but then we were talking about how we should get a drummer and i was like oh well we should get josh involved and then um yeah it's just been really nice to play music with him again because it's been a while yeah so when did the band start? About five years ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We, I think we, pretty much immediately after meeting, started playing music together. Like I think that was one of the things that, like, one of the reasons why we started hanging out is because we had a lot of like crossover with the things that we liked, mm. and then um, both played in like other bands, obviously. Like, um, and uh, yeah, then just started playing music together and didn't. I don't know, we started, we would just like play in our bedroom and then I think we played one show and then we sort of sporadically played shows for a while but like it always sort of took the, it, it was always sort of like, it was never the focus because we were, we were doing like a lot of other band stuff. Mm. But then I think over lockdown we decided to, well we, um, I think you already knew Jamie, but I'd sort of met Jamie who runs Teeth Studios in um, Norwood Junction. Um, Met him through our friend uh, Alex, who Jamie had recorded Alex's band Gentle Stranger, I don't know if you know them, they're they're, they're an amazing band. Um, And um, we went in and recorded two songs, one of which is In The Wall, which is the one song that we have out. And then we've got another song that's recorded that we're going to put out at some point. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so we've been doing it for quite a while, but only more recently have we started to put, like, a bit more energy into it. Yeah. And, uh, 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's the story. In <laughs> <laughs> the Wall wasn't released long ago, mm-hmm. but was recorded a couple of years ago. Yeah. Mm. Why did it take so long to come out? I think I lockdown was it lo- lockdown? Can we blame it on lockdown? We could blame it on lockdown, but also just our <laughs> lack of sort of organization. Like for, for so another band I play in Leatherhead, we'd been a band for we've been a band for about six years now, and we only released our first song like last year. I think a lot of it is like disorganization, but also mm. I think there's some. It's like a common thread there. Yeah. You. <laughs> yeah. I, basically, I'm disorganized <laughs> and I delay everything. But, but you do your lot, and also I feel like you take on the role of manager almost in that you sort everything out for us. Yeah. So we kind of, yeah, we could do more as well, I guess. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> but I think there's definitely something to be said for like waiting until it feels like ready like for example mm. we did play for like a bit before lockdown but if we'd have recorded the songs then then they potentially wouldn't have been uh, as full as they are now mm. it's definitely true for like leatherhead when we first started playing like i could barely play guitar and sing at the same time so i'm so sort of glad we didn't mm. there's not really a document of our us when we were really bad <laughs> mm. glad we waited till i was like really proud of the songs and like up for showing them to the world well not the world but the, the, the few people that listen to them. <laughs> yeah yeah i think well with in the war as well um it was quite nice because i guess we had the sort of bare bones of it um i mean there's only three of us in the band but it was nice to go into the studio with it and like actually really flesh it out and i feel like i really like enjoy studio experience when it's not set in stone and you can just like add loads of layers and we just came up with like parts that now feel really essential to the song like the whole fiddle section and the kind of sax freak out and <laughs> oh yeah yeah um, my brother josh played saxophone in that song as well who plays with me in uh leatherhead yeah and like a lot of that stuff was just not planned at all i think josh was like Mm-hmm. on like quite a tight schedule and he had I think he maybe had half an hour to come in and he just came in played mm. played that once and we were like yep that's it that's great <laughs> so let's not forget to mention Jacob Reed oh yeah aka Jerker. Jerk Cub, yeah who yeah, came in and played some keys for us yeah exactly that was cool yeah 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 got all the friends in it was nice <laughs> always good so could you tell a bit about your bands Leatherhead and Goat Girl how did they start and give a, f- a bit of a background on the bands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's your origin story? Goat Girl started with me and Ellie and Naima um, around the age of 16, maybe. And I'm 26 or 27 now. I can't actually remember. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you get to an age where you just stop remembering <laughs> the years going by. Um, but yeah, probably about 10 years ago. And... We started playing like open mics, weirdly in like West Hampstead. I don't know why we did that, but it was cool. It was like this. It start this open mic started up as a sort of fundraiser for someone's dog, and uh, <laughs> so uh, everyone had to pay at the door. And um, what was wrong? With we the dog? wanted. I don't know. <laughs> needed some kind of surgery. All oh, right. <laughs> um, Is the dog okay? I don't know. I can't say. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully we raise enough for it to live on many more years. Um, but yeah, so we always wanted to go to these open mics, um, but didn't want to pay. 
<laughs> didn't want to pay money to to get in so we decided to start playing because musicians didn't have to pay and um that's kind of what kick-started everything so the dog is what we have to thank for goat girls existence wow. i guess do you remember the dog's name no oh. Woof. <laughs> <laughs> um and yeah we started doing that got quite comfortable playing came up with the name and then sort of branched out to other venues um like the windmill Montague Arms in Peckham, um, DIY Space, I guess we played. We were a bit late with DIY Space, actually, and that that was an amazing venue. Yeah, um, really, days. really sad loss there. Uh, it was incredible. Um, yeah, there, was, there were loads of places, basically, that it's weird now, thinking. It's like, oh, God, they're all gone. <laughs> um, and did you start writing from the beginning? Writing from the beginning, Yeah, or did yeah. you play mostly covers, or how was it in the beginning? Mm, well, at the beginning we were like, yeah, playing quite a lot of covers, but mostly our own songs, actually. I feel like all, as individuals, we were like singer-songwriters, and we'd always like have like a whole kind of back catalogue of music that we'd want to try out with each other, which was really nice to have that, because I feel like at that age as well, um, it felt like, I mean... It was, it was fun to go out and party, but we were also like, oh, we want to like make use of our hobbies and share that with each other. Um, and so, yeah, we did that and played a few Brian Jonestown covers here and there. And then, yeah, kind of got involved with like a scene of people um, who, who kind of celebrated, I guess, like a lo-fi DIY sound, um, which felt quite relatable to us because at the time, And still now, like, I mean, we're not, like, virtuosic sort of, like, instrumentalists. We're sort of self-taught. Um, and I feel like that scene sort of celebrated that, which was cool. And then, yeah, kind of just grew from that, really. We met people through the venues we were playing at, and then one thing led to another. And how about Leatherhead? It's, like, family affair. It is, yeah, it's a family affair. I Yeah, so Leatherhead is made up of uh, me... Um, my brother Josh, my brother Aiden, uh, our friend Charlie, who also um, he has his solo project Piglet, who, um, who are just like one of the best. Uh, he's just one of the best songwriters around at the moment. I actually play in the live band as well, and it's one of those things where I can like, if people ask me like, oh, what's Piglet like? I can objectively say that it's amazing because I don't write any of the stuff. It doesn't sound big-headed. I'm like, oh yeah, no, we're fucking great. <laughs> um, but You can uh, say that about your own thing, though. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, true. Um, but yeah, I sort of—I was quite late to playing music. Like a lot, most of my like peers, have, I think, have been playing since they were like young teenagers or children. But I uh, bought—I think I bought my first guitar after I had my first like proper job, or, or after I earned like my first like decent amount of money when I was like 18. and then so just sort of taught myself. Um, then when I went to uni in Brighton. But I feel like I didn't really get into um, playing or like understand how to do it until I started playing with other people. I feel like that's the main. Um, that was how I started to like, yeah, started to fully enjoy it and also started to fully understand it. Um, but yeah, in Brighton, I played in a bunch of uh, kind of stupid but kind of great bands. There was like a sort of noisy hardcore punk band called the glug where we'd all spend way more time on our stupid costumes than we would um writing songs or rehearsing 
played in like a stoner metal band, played in a band called Space Cowboys where all we all we did was sing about uh the one the one central theme was like the song had to be about a, a cowboy in space and um it was really really goofy but like really really fun and then i think leather had started initially because i wanted to i i'd, I'd started writing songs myself and wanted um like a project for that um and i think when we first started it was just me and josh my brother who plays saxophone so i would play guitar and sing or like try to play guitar and sing and josh would play saxophone and then gradually, yeah, it just sort of developed. Like I get more uh, like sort of friends involved, and in the first like sort of couple of years, the lineup would sort of change quite frequently. And I think then when I moved to London in like 2018, that was when it sort of started to solidify properly. And uh, yeah, met met Lottie and met uh, people like Charlie, and um, yeah, that's sort of how Leatherhead came about. But it was a uh, it was quite a like long gradual process to like getting good. But I think that's quite important to like say. I feel like so quite often you see bands that like seem like they've always been fully formed and like they've always known exactly what they want to do and what their ideas are. But for like, well, in our case, it took like about five years before. For me personally, I was like, right now, this is the music that like we've sort of been leading up to, mm. or like the music that I want to be making now, sort of thing. And yeah, now, now we're doing that. And last year you released your first two singles Mara yeah. and Hordes yeah yeah that's right yeah yeah again recorded with Jamie in her teeth studios um yeah they were they're at, they feel really old now because we also recorded them like a long time ago over lockdown I think it was over lockdown um but yeah it was just really nice to sort of actually have music out in the world I don't really know how we survived as a band before because we'd play pretty regularly like on the sort of like DIY circuit in Brighton and in London, but no one had ever heard our music, so we'd always sort of, we'd never really know how we got booked for stuff and always be worried that like <laughs> when we actually release something, people would be like, oh, that's what you sound like. Oh, we're <laughs> never going to book you again. <laughs> um, yeah, it's nice to have songs out and to, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and the time you take to release the songs is it like a perfectionism thing or just a lack of time I think it's a bit of both we do have like really specific ideas about how we want it to sound um, but also it's just like I guess it's just like organization as well we all do like a lot um, like we all play in other groups we all like have to work jobs we all do we're all involved we're, we're all involved in like activism and stuff like that and it's just like yeah it takes time and it takes like uh focus and when like you're doing a bunch of things at once it's hard to like get that focus but like i think another thing to say is that like we don't feel any pressure other than our own pressure it's like if it takes it takes as long as it takes and that's fine with us because like i mean We love doing it. Probably still be doing it, like, like forever, sort of thing. Love, just love playing music. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd like to ask also about another thing you and Lottie did together: the diggy diggy fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Yeah, right. That that was a that's a that's a deep cut. <laughs> with Rosie from Go to Go yeah. and Max Horse Whisperer. Yeah, yeah, wow. So yeah, Max Sidetollen is a 
a very old family friend of mine who our parents went to school together and he makes just the most incredible uh bizarre music um yeah it used to be under the name horse whisperer and now i think it's under max side tonnen clunk or kank oh wait was it kank (laughs) (laughs) um kank yeah he recently did a tour with some other uh players and they did like this sort of crazy deconstructed punk band um but yeah he's a great musician and everyone should uh check him out um but yeah that was for it was for like a slow dance mm-hmm. a music experiment thing where i think they'd got a bunch of uh sort of like sculptural artists to come in and actually create mm. these instruments that were like pieces of art and you, as a musician, group of musicians were invited in to figure out how to play these things. So everyone had different approaches to like how they would get sound out of them, what they would do with that sound. And I feel like most of the people, other groups, sort of came in with like quite like high tech equipment, like sort of like and really good, good samplers, <laughs> really good ideas, like really like I don't know, well trained producer ears, and we just came in like. <laughs> singing diggy diggy fuck off so we're a little bit more basic with our approach um i feel feel like it has like a sort of naive charm i think i i was saying to pedro like we just sort of came in as cavemen like we like (laughs) genuinely were trying to figure out how to play these instruments and we were like bashing them in all different kinds of ways and like i feel like we were like really experimenting with yeah i I also feel like it was one of those things that we sort of were all up for and went and did but like sort of didn't really realise what would come of it. I think it got, like, pressed to vinyl. Yeah, it's like, it was a big deal. Yeah. Maybe if we maybe if we'd have considered that, we wouldn't have called it what we called it. But I think it's a pretty good song. Yeah, know? it is good, actually, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it came out on Slow Dance Presents, Late Works of Noise. Mm. That's it, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, there's a bunch of other... The other songs on it are really, really good as well. There was loads mm. of good musicians on it. Mm. And there are a bunch of groups that slow dance just put together to improvise right i think so yeah yeah i feel yeah. like we kind of got to choose who we did it with so like maybe me and tobes or someone one of us got asked and then i think we kind of put a group together i messaged max like the day before and was like trying to come mm. do this thing and uh he did yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> i think that that song might be our legacy and that might be the thing <laughs> that people remember more than anything <laughs> yeah no do you remember when i was just like because <laughs> you're meant to like produce it all there and then kind of thing and it's meant to be like all in the room um but i forgot that like that was what was meant to be happening and then i like had to compile it all together in spoons down the road so i was like oh, yeah. mixing it <laughs> with spoons on some like apple with, headphones <laughs> some shit little headphones <laughs> just, like, sounds all right though. Uh, sounds pretty good yeah anyway <laughs> <laughs> and lotzi could you also talk a bit about your mushy p solo work Mm, yeah um well i guess mushy p has i don't know it's sort of been my like outlet when it's sort of like goat girl reject songs if anything (laughs) it's like i mean all the songs maybe start as mushy p and then the good ones go to goat girl and the ones that maybe aren't as good or need or are just quite different to the vibe then will go to mushy p and then mushy p from that has like got progressively more sort of electronic and left field sounding um and it's kind of been played live in sort of many various iterations of it and so yeah i started off playing 
um, bass and singing with a backing track, um, which is fun. But I also kind of felt like, I don't know, there was there was too much going on there to think about. I don't know. I'm just I'm I'm really badly organised with all these mushy pee shows. So I was just like, oh god, don't know what I'm doing. Um, but yeah, it it was fun. And then I like sort of sent some songs over. Like people heard mushy pee from that, and so I, I was asked to do like a few different compilation tapes. So I sent one over a song over to Marco for the slow dance compilation and various things over lockdown. Um, and yeah never like really taken it very seriously but I feel like more recently I've been playing live again um with the help of Toby and yeah it's kind of like it's kind of re-emerged and I feel like I've sort of found a new love for it and yeah it's kind of made me think like oh maybe I'll like actually produce this properly and like release it properly and yeah. You never know, I'll have a Spotify page this Bandcamp. time next year. Yeah, I'll be hitting up DistroKid and all that. And <laughs> yeah, you definitely should. Those yeah. songs are so good. Yeah, yeah. it's all just like a very much laptop room, in my room project kind of thing. Um, and I feel like, yeah, I get a bit perfection, perfection-y about it. Um, and so I never really like want anything to be like fully finished. Yeah, um, the songs are really short. And they're really short, <laughs> yes. They're like... Just little bursts of ideas that I'm like, oh, that was sick. Okay, I'm not gonna like do anything else with that now, and I'll come back to that in like five years or something. And then it's like paintings that you never really finish, but you're keeping on adding to you and stuff. And yeah, yeah, I think they really work like that. Mm. It's cool. It's a good timing. Yeah, I saw oh, you the you. other day at the Ivy House with Holly and Edna. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, that was fun night. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> They were also playing the, the songs that they wrote that didn't mm. make it to go to go right. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that yeah. was a night of a uh, girl off shoots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's nice that we can sort of like have that as well, like support each other's solo projects because we all do really cool music. Yeah, <laughs> it's nice. Yeah, and you just mentioned unfinished paintings mm. comparing to the sounds, and both you and Toby are also visual artists. Mm. And, yeah, I'd like to ask you about that as well. The importance of the visuals in music for you, like an album cover, singles and T-shirts, the image of a band. Mm. And also when you started painting and drawing. Mm-hmm. Well, mm. <laughs> yeah. Well, but yeah, I, I, yeah, first of all, I think like the the visual, I, find, I think that the visuals in uh music are like in incredibly important it's definitely like uh also when people say don't judge a book by its cover i definitely think that that's like i i, I always do judge a, like i feel like it can't <laughs> that can't really be applied to like records though yeah maybe not because you pick up a record because i mean that's how i used to record shop was just like what i was attracted to because a lot of the time like that's the whole point you like discover music yeah in a record shop or something and then you put it on you're like whoa this is crazy And that's normally led through the artwork or like the name of the band or something like. Yeah, exactly. Some kind of interest. I feel like it's like an it's like an an opportunity to just sort of like further the the world of your music or like uh, it's just like another yeah it's another tool for world building with your whole sound mm. and your whole sort of I don't, I don't know I guess ideas as an artist. Um, but yeah, I got I I sort of got into. Um, uh, 
I just always drawn my my whole life. I've just always like loved it. Me and uh, uh, particularly my brother Aiden as well is a he's like a brilliant illustrator. We just always drawn, and it's one of those things. It's the same with music, really. Like just completely like self taught and like never really. Um, we just never really realised like what opportunities would come from it or like how it would then go on to like shape so much of what I do with my life now but uh yeah I think I think well for me like I, I sort of always did it and like in in the sort of little like DIY scenes I, I like operated in I would like do posters or like occasionally design a t-shirt for a friend but I think the main thing that sort of like made me realise that I could do it a bit more or like that it was worth the time and energy I was putting into it was when um, Go Go asked me and Aiden to do their uh, album cover for their second album on all fours, which is like a such a brilliant album. It's such a, like an immersive uh, um, soundscape and um, just like such brilliant songs. And uh, Aiden and I just like had so much fun trying to like yeah, as I said before, like further that world and like try mm. and um, push. Like yeah, trying to like sort of render the sounds that mm. are on the record in in like a massive painting that yeah. took us a very long time. Neither Aiden nor I had actually like painted before properly. We both usually just use like a fine liner pens and do quite like a rudimentary, naive looking like uh, scratchy black and white illustrations. <laughs> but we sort of thought like the album is so rich in uh, color that we were like we should uh, we should this needs to be painted so we bought this giant um plank of wood and spent like a month maybe a month over lockdown I feel like it was about five months it felt like yeah. a long time it really it was all in our bedroom as well yeah. and it was yeah you Aiden and me in the bedroom yeah <laughs> in kinda, the heat of the summer it was so hot we definitely went a bit insane I definitely I remember like having Aiden and I like would would go through phases of being like this is like the coolest thing ever I can't believe how good it is and mm. then arguing for like a full day about one shade of yellow that's on like <laughs> one tiny character mm. thing but um yeah no I'm really proud of that album cover I think it looks yeah, great I think cool. it does what we wanted it to do which was to sort of look a bit like an episode of Adventure Time but mixed with like a Hieronymus Bosch painting yeah. or something yeah. like it's so. a great description of it <laughs> yeah <laughs> nice yeah, yeah. um yeah, I think the first time I've heard about you was on Edna's documentary about the album. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. was funny. <laughs> I still not seen documentary. that, actually. It yeah, was great. No, it was great. It was just f a funny instance of it being, like, screened at a cinema. We were, we were all just the like, real Whoa, cinema. oh, my goodness, this is a big deal. Hello. Is there a red carpet? I felt like I was at Cannes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was sick, like... Um, that painting just created so many doors for just like the expansive world that we wanted to create for like not just the album cover but like everything that comes with like the album itself is like a package you know it's like the music videos are completely inspired by all of those characters and you can see them popping up like inside cowboy um and just like the t-shirt designs and also like the photo shoots that we did to promote the album like they were all very heavily inspired like if not by the characters by like the color schemes and yeah we kind of really felt like it was an important thing to have this like succinct world that we were coming with and from <laughs> um yeah and i think 
it was really easy to be inspired by the artwork that you drew for us. Well, it was sort of like a cyclical thing because mm. the more we'd listen to the record, the more we'd have ideas for the, you know, um, like stuff to paint. But that's another thing I think like in in so much of what Lottie and I do and the different things we do, it's all like the the one unifying feature is that like we work we get to work with like people that we know and like we're sort of just surrounded by such a uh sort of vibrant community of like artists and activists and like people who inspire us all the time like it was it was like a bit of a dream come true to be like working on the album cover for my partner and my friend's album with my brother it was just like such a nice experience and uh yeah yeah And you with the artwork? Oh, um, hmm. <laughs> I guess I draw. I don't know. I yeah, feel like draw. I don't know. I don't. Yeah, it's weird to say I'm an artist when, yeah, I don't what, really. What blocks you in that thought? I feel like I've got so much going on in my head, and I really picture like what I want to see and. I feel like I don't always have the ability to like then put that onto paper. Um but I feel like I'm good at like artistically sort of directing things, like especially with like the music videos and the photo shoots and also kind of the artwork, like with like colour schemes and like I don't know, sort of um I don't really know, just feelings. I don't know, I've always been quite interested in like visual sort of photography stuff and the kind of like setting up of a scene rather than just like reportage photography, like really like, I don't know, almost like fashion photography where it's like really set up and like looks almost like a painting. Um, I guess that was sort of like the world of art that I was most interested in when I was younger. And yeah, that sort of fed into other like visual things I do. I do like, I really enjoyed monoprinting. Um, we did like a course It was really cute. It was just like all of these, like it was like an adult course. Yeah. And like. I think everyone was at least like 40 years stakes. older than us. Yeah. But it was so nice. We just sort of drink tea and eat biscuits and do monoprinting. And <laughs> all the all the other people were like so gossipy. And we just sort of like listen to, mm. I don't know, yeah, all their gossip. It was great. Yeah. But I really like, yeah, I guess using art and thinking about how we can make like posters out of that. And yeah, I feel like when you're creative everything just sort of like blurs into one and it yeah never really stops which is nice yeah i feel like yeah for for me i think i i feel like the two main things i do are draw pictures and write songs and i feel like there's often not that much distinction in the headspace that i'm in when i do both of those things i feel like it's like tapping into the same sort of energy or ideas like when i'm writing a song on a guitar or when i'm drawing pictures mm. it's sort of um comes from the same place i think it just comes mm. out in different ways mm -hmm. and both of you are also very hard activists <laughs> not sure if hard is the, <laughs> is the word but you're <laughs> both of you are activists and very committed to many yeah. causes yeah we were sort of talking about this before it's like would we call ourselves activists because like comparably to like other people I don't know. You're active. Who were like on the front line, do you know what I mean? Like all the time. Like, yeah. It feels kind of weird to say that I'm an activist anyway. But I guess like we are heavily involved in projects that are like trying to 
change things for the better. Um, you know, I'm part of something called Sister Midnight, which is a non-profit organisation that are basically, like, working to set up Lewisham's first community-owned music venue. And I think that that is just, like, an inherently quite political thing um, yeah. to, like, own something that is, like, led and democratically, like, run by the community um, where everyone has a say. It's, like, almost creating a space to, like, reflect what we want the wider world to look like. Um, and it's going to be a space where it can be, like, really radical and where it can support people who don't always see that support in their other parts of life. Um, and so, yeah, I guess that's sort of where my activism lays at the moment. Um, but also, you know, always trying to go down to protests and I think always, like, trying to um, support... Fundraiser and gigs. Yeah, fundraiser gigs and, like, kind of platform other things going on. Um, but I could definitely always do more. Um, but yeah, it feels like there's a lot going on at the moment in terms of like injustices in this country. And it's just so important to like show up for people who are marginalized in society. Like there's a lot of transphobia at the moment. Um, and there's been quite a few sort of counter protests um, in our area, actually in Southeast London, which Southeast London has a history, a rich history of being like a very socialist place, um, especially Lewisham. And so, yeah, it's really important to us to make these fascists not feel comfortable or welcome in our neck of the woods, because uh, they're really not. And yeah. Yeah, no, 100%. Yeah, we live in Lewisham. My, my dad was from Charlton and it's like, there's just a, such a rich history of anti-fascism there. There's like the Battle of Lewisham. So it does feel like particularly important when these sort of like kind of uh, like part misinformed, part deranged, like just like fueled by hate um, people uh, turn up and threaten like just like some of the most maligned groups in society anyway. It just doesn't feel um, like something you can stay at home for. You know, I think it's it's really important that everyone who feels able to shows up in um whatever way they can i feel like yeah there's a sort of like as as is always the way when you have like a uh like a sort of like i don't think it's a stretch to call our government like a fascist government right now there's always mm. like the most maligned groups of society that they will try and uh uh turn people against the most and right now it seems like their targets are migrants and trans people and um, they will scapegoat these uh, people for their own mistakes, for their own... Like, they'll try and blame, like, the economic um, insecurity that people are feeling on, on people who are fleeing war zones. Um, yeah, and they will, they'll, set, they'll, they'll try and make out, like, people's children are under threat from, from literally someone reading a story... Uh, in a pub in southeast london it's so it's so warped and it's so uh deranged um that yeah i don't know yeah it, it feels it feels like incredibly important to um well I, I feel like again sorry we're also in a position where like most people understand that like this government 
and even like what whatever the labor alternative would be isn't out here to help us and mm. they're not out here to like help um yeah the most marginalized in society so like the most important or it seems like the only sort of option to do uh, thing to do is to like turn to your community and like what you can do and i think it all starts on a commu community level that's why like it might seem like um with the system midnight thing it's a it's it's a music venue first yeah but also it's like it's an it's an example of a community coming together and mm. sort of like that will become like a microcosm of what you yeah. want the world to be exactly like yeah. further like what you want the wider world to be um and not just what we want but what the community want um mm. yeah which exactly is just like so powerful and important um yeah and I guess you're doing that with your solidarity tapes nights and right yeah well we um my my brothers Aiden and Josh and Charlie who's a piglet um have sort of have like a little like kind of loose collective called solidarity tapes where basically just like trying to bridge the gap um or like make more obvious the the links between activism and like DIY music scenes because the they they're both so uh hinged on community they all come from like groups of people coming together they only work when people come together and um like put time and effort in not necessarily for like financial like like money isn't the motive the motive is to like spread ideas and mm. um yeah uh so yeah we've we've like done a few events like last year we did like maybe six or seven events where basically we would choose an organization to platform and to raise funds for <clears throat> sorry by um and we do that by like putting on nights with bands and like DJs and people doing talks and uh running workshops um to yeah because I mean like yeah I love going to gigs and that's like basically all I do with my life is like go and see music but it's just quite nice to have like the crossover between um yeah activism and that and there, there are so many, like, we're one of, like, many groups doing, like, that kind of thing. Like, mm. uh, our our friend Liv Winter runs a night called How to Catch a Pig, which is just, like, it's, like, one of the funnest nights to go out to in London, but it's also one of the most, like, politically radical. Mm. It's, like, every artist there has uh, something to say that's incredibly important. It's, like, um, yeah, and it, it just seems like, I don't know nightlife and music and stuff like that can it doesn't have to be this sort of like uh empty thing it can it, you can be saying something with every gig that you put on or every every yeah, yeah, yeah. band you book or whatever um yeah 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 and two and a half years ago you released the volume one of the zine and the that's tape true yeah yeah with a great selection of texts i would say essays or yeah I'm yeah not sure less in translation sorry yeah yeah there was a, yeah a bunch of essays and uh and interviews and poetry and art and stuff in the zine um great selection of songs on the tape yeah and it, yeah and it opens with a really strong piece by the sex workers opera uh when yeah. i crossed the border yeah yeah no we were really um see that was that was like a project we had planned like before lockdown and then lockdown happened And, um, yeah, then we, uh, just sort of got, yeah, just managed to collate like a, like an amazing group of, um, 
different musicians and artists and stuff to get together this sort of like physical cassette and a zine um that was a uh, yeah it was like really really fun to do and um actually we're so like yeah our, our, the main like plan was to like have these events and do the um and do the like uh, physical releasing of stuff but over lockdown obviously we couldn't do the events so we focused quite hard on getting the first issue out and then all of last year we were doing events um in london and in brighton as well um but i think uh yeah this year i think we're going to try and focus on um getting issue 2 out because it's been like quite a long time and uh doing more events and we sort of we want to um branch out of london as well like uh visit like take it sort of to other places um other cities like uh, i don't know bristol or manchester mm. but yeah again it's one of those things that um uh does take a lot of organization and as mm. i have maybe stated a few times in this <laughs> issue i'm not the most organized person mm. but yeah it's a very um no you're getting better definitely <laughs> you've got your diary i have like three different <laughs> notebooks full of lists of things to do yeah <laughs> i occasionally take something off of and another question about activism what gives you hope um i guess like our community of people like as we said you know it's like really lovely to see like um just like really inspiring people spread, spreading awareness of different kind of um i don't know like issues being faced at the moment in this like horrible city and country um and yeah i don't know i feel like there's hope in the dark sometimes like i feel like this really dark moment has made it clear that there's like a strong force of like people who are willing to like retaliate against that and um yeah i guess i don't really know can you help me out here? yeah no, i think I, i i agree with that it's definitely like it's the people around me that like definitely mm. it, yeah it, it comes uh, as uh, i think the point i made before that was like it's not it doesn't come from up top it doesn't come from like government it doesn't mm. come from anything like that it comes from like seeing people organizing and seeing people like putting themselves on the line to protect others um like <clears throat> and like particular examples i'd say like have been just like the amount of people that have shown up to show the fascists that they're not welcome in southeast london mm. also um just the work that uh the direct action group palestine action have been doing mm. recently um who are actually they're i think they're like 14 or 15 days into a siege of a factory in Leicester um uh sorry an elbit systems factory elbit systems make weapons that are um tested and used in uh, palestine that just kill innocent people they kill um children but uh palestine action have for a few years now um just it i think it was born out of like exhausting the sort of lobbying process and the trying to get politicians to be on your side or sign a like petition they just um they uh genuinely just go to arms factories and smash them up mm. i mean and make them so that people can't uh they can't work in there 
which mm. is just like the most like it cuts out it cuts out everything it's just like there's the source there's these um like factories that make killing machines in our communities and we don't want them here so mm. they go and they smash them up and it and it works i think yeah. two out of i'm gonna i i, I should have looked this up before but it two, works or yeah i don't sorry you go i just that i i'm, I'm Look this up and look them up on Instagram. It's just called Palestine Action. There's uh, yeah. there's links of how to get involved and just like how to support and what they're all about. Because I'm not explaining it very well, but they've yeah. de- like there's there's tangible results. They have they have rendered two, I think two maybe three of the factories unusable. So it's having and you can see the direct effect it has on the profits of Elbit system. And that is like the only way that anything mm. is going to change. Is yeah. uh, in like this sort of hyper capitalist society is if you hit them like in the money if it comes yeah. not financially viable to make weapons to kill children that unfortunately might be the only way that they stop making weapons to kill children but yeah um, definitely look up the the siege in Leicester it's going on there's a lot of brave people on the ground there at the moment who are just um, I think the tagline is like we're not leaving till they do so um, if you have the time to go down there or there are other ways to support to um, check out Palestine Action. Mm, yeah that's definitely like an incredible example of like hope and like actual like how change is created and like a tangible thing to become a part of to like show what people are doing and like the strength of what they're doing and like yeah how much of a difference it's actually making um it's it's yeah it's fucking amazing Mm. yeah Mm. Well, thanks for that. <laughs> and we're coming to the end. I'd like to ask Lottie to ask Toby a question. Oh. <laughs> and Toby okay. to ask Lottie a question. All right, nice. Yeah, yeah. Well, you might. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you want to ask me a question first? Um, <laughs> let me... I can't really think of it. <laughs> We've lived together for the past five years. <laughs> We've exhausted all the questions. I feel like we there's not much we don't know for about each other. What actually? Wait, yeah. What is your favorite uh, <laughs> color? No. What is your? What's your favorite? What's the song you're most proud of that you've mm-hmm. written? Hmm. Oh, I don't know. That is a good question. I feel like the song that I'm most proud of always changes. Um, Yeah, at the moment, I'm always kind of proud of the songs that have had least amount of, like, effort gone into them sometimes, where it's just like, whoa, that just came out of nowhere. Um, And... I didn't really like think about it too much. I wasn't like really self-aware when I was making that. And maybe it's like the process that I really appreciate and like the feeling that it gives me that makes me feel proud. I'm like, oh yeah, it kind of reminds me like I'm I'm actually able to do this. Um, so one of them is actually going to be on our new album, hopefully called Pretty Faces, um, where I just feel like I managed to capture like the exact essence of like what I was imagining then in that moment and it was like the environment outside was like really stormy and rainy and I feel like it just has that mood and I was quite proud that I could like have that as a reflection within the music um yeah yeah I've heard the demo of that song it is like it's so beautiful 
So it's sort of like you're proud of like being able to uh, fully like formulate your idea mm. or like to get it out there in the in the most like pure way possible. Yeah, maybe, but I'll probably think differently tomorrow. Because then it's also like you're meant to think that like you should be proud of something when you've put in like loads of work and effort and like I am as well. But sometimes you just get lost within that whole thing and you're like, is it even good anymore? I'm proud of like me being able to just like, I don't even know, like put an end to something, just be like, this is great. Mm. And like, it was really simple and like, um, yeah, I think people I often equate like worth to effort. Whereas so, so, so many of like what I think are the best ideas I've ever had are like, have just come out of like picking up a guitar and like twit, like, like mm. messing around with it for like one minute like but then there's other stuff that i spent like weeks like trying to work out the perfect guitar part mm. but yeah the, it doesn't yeah it doesn't effort shouldn't equate to um because also like effort in that example isn't necessarily like you haven't put less effort into it it's like an amalgamation of like all of the things that you have been inspired by and like yeah, all the work that you've yeah. kind of cons consistently put into this in a more general sense that has then equated to like you being able to create something like that yeah um, yeah so it's like an accumulation of everything yeah i guess All we just need to change our perceptions of like work and like productivity and like mm. be i don't know remind ourselves to be quite anti-capitalist in the way that we <laughs> yeah. create music as yeah, well because we want to create something different and something that represents what we're actually interested in and yeah try and imagine this different world that is i guess coming out through like our creative endeavors i don't know mm. um my question to you is who would you work with if you like who, what musician would you work with alive or dead Oh, on if you could get them to feature on your your album, I think that's the kind of thing that it would it would change every day. But I think right now I'm just obsessed with um, Bill Orcutt, the guitarist. Mm. Like I think his album Music for Four Guitars that came out last year is just like yeah. like I'm like like a really sort of self-taught guitarist. I really don't know. Um, I don't know all the things you maybe should know about playing guitar. And I remember, like, just, like, watching people play guitar and just being like, how do you do that? I don't understand it. But, like, Bill Orcutt is one of those people where he plays guitar and, like, now that I've been playing guitar for, like, however long, like, I'm still like, wow, how did you do that? How did you think of that? It's so creative. It's so, like... Um, yeah, you know when you just see something and you just you just don't know, like, how they came to that conclusion mm. but um yeah i reckon bill or cut guitar is the only thing i really know how to play um so i feel like that's uh yeah mm. i would get him to i would get him to be on the leatherhead album mm. bill if you're listening bill yeah <laughs> <laughs> give me a call hit leatherhead up <laughs> um yeah but it changes all the time i'm constantly inspired by like different people and different things um yeah. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and before we go to the songs, uh, last night I was trying to come up with some questions for you. And I I think Lobby is a really cool name for a band. Mm. 
Mm. But I was thinking, is it Lottie and Toby? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it should is, really yeah. be Lobby. Lobby. Lobby is better. And it kind of makes sense with our music as well, because I feel like it is music that you'd hear in like a lobby of a, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of chilled. I feel like Background the music almost. A lot of the other music we make is a bit more intense. It was kind of nice to do something. And that was why we like, we both, I think we both wanted an outlet for like some slightly more chilled music. Like we were mm. listening to loads of like Duster and bands like like those kind of slowcore bands mm. and like Acetone. Yeah, music you'd listen to in the car or something. Yeah, yeah. Traveling, traveling music. Yeah, I want to make a really a, a good album for a car journey. I think mm. the when if we ever make a lobby album, it will be that will be like the the thinking behind it. It's mm. like yeah, for driving at night. I think mm. along a motorway. Um. Yeah, but yeah, it is literally just Lottie and Toby put together. I think it was your sister came up for it, came up with it. Yeah, probably. It was either that or <laughs> something else. Um, but yeah, we do need to incorporate Josh's name into it because it's pretty Yeah, big. he's in the band. Yeah, we did it before he was in the band. But they, Yeah, it's hard to Lob- fit a J in there. Josh. Or sh- Lubsh. Lubsh. J Lobby. It's like J Lobby. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Oh, yeah, that's pretty good, actually. J Lobby. <laughs> yeah, we could do that. And the fans are called... The lobbyists. <laughs> Whoa, that's really yeah. You should choose a name with a built-in like good name for your fan base. I think. Yeah. And what can we expect for Lobby? You've released one single, but what's on the way? Mm. We have another one. one. We've got one in the bank, <laughs> ready to pretty much ready to go. Yeah. Also, to- <laughs> also recorded a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It was recorded at the same, same time yeah. as in the wall. Um, but yeah, I think we're going to go back with Jamie at Teeth Studios hopefully soon and like do an EP or something because we've got loads of new songs that we've been playing live yeah and we like those more than some of the old songs even yeah yeah some of them are sort of being pushed out um but I think it's good to like yeah yeah I think we'll do an EP I don't know if we either of us have the time to write like an album yet but like we've definitely got enough songs for an EP well just yeah more Leatherhead reject songs and <laughs> reject songs, yeah, and yeah. then hopefully we'll have an album soon. Yeah, nice. <laughs> cool. So, Ghost Girl has a third album on the way. Yeah. And Leatherhead has. Leatherhead, Leatherhead has an EP actually that's pretty much done that I we also recorded with Jamie. I think it, I think we just need to mix it a little bit more, which I might do. I think we're going to do this week. But yeah, that will come out soon. Probably mm. soon. Like, yeah, I might just like put that out as soon as possible because. Again, with with Leatherhead, like I've written like a pretty much a whole album after that that would be after this EP. Like we wrote the EP last summer, and it already feels really old to us. So, yeah, gonna start trying to put things out a bit more frequently. Hopefully, yeah, you won't won't have to wait another five years before some more Leatherhead stuff. Hopefully, anyway. <laughs> yeah, cool. So I would like to thank you very much for being here. Thank you so much for having us, man. Yeah, yeah. no worries. Thank you. Not been on the radio before. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah. Got a nice radio voice. Yeah. And could we finish the session with a few songs? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Wow. Yeah, I'd like to apologize in advance for our like janky equipment. We were sort of testing it earlier, and I think there's some like buzzing noises that's definitely coming from us and not <laughs> not Soho Radio. But, yeah, um, noise is always good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So. Thanks again. Thank you. Thanks for having us, man. Just before you play in the wall, Edna just sent a question. What's <laughs> the hole in the wall a metaphor for? Ooh. <laughs> I think 
initially that song or like parts of this song were a were like a leatherhead song that I played used to play a long time ago and I think at the time I was living in like a pretty precarious living scenario and it was sort of like uh it, it, it there was a sort of general feeling of things worsening and it, and I feel like the hole in the wall that gets big bigger is just sort of like a metaphor for like uh yeah things getting worse in general mm, um, yeah and then it's kind of now been applied to our house <laughs> yeah now our house is falling apart so yeah 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 kind of i guess yeah about your environment kind of crumbling away but you still staying static and present and yeah things changing around you um, and i guess just like the for that for there to be like a um uh to there's something wrong with the structure of something it's like the holes in the wall it's not like mm-hmm. in in something um which i guess you know it could be a metaphor for the worsening uh uh structure structures of society yeah mm-hmm. well it sounds way deeper than i thought it was initially yeah oh. yeah thank you for the question yeah thanks edna <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to start with wall and then should we do new and then intro? Yeah, yeah. Do you think? Yeah, that sounds good. Can I also add something that I forgot to say later, earlier? When, I think when I was talking about Leatherhead earlier, I forgot to... I, I listed all the band members, but I forgot Cole, and he, he'd be really upset if I uh, didn't mention him. Also, I forgot to mention my band members' yeah. names. <laughs> Rosie and Holly. Yeah. And Ruben and Ellie. Um. Yeah, sweet. All right. This is a song called In the Wall that you can listen to the the full version of. Thank you. 
that yeah that was in the wall uh this is like a one of the newer songs um that doesn't actually have a name yet we sort of i think we we refer to it as stereo lab song because the outro sounds a bit like stereo lab or we <laughs> wanted it to anyway
yeah, this will be our last song <coughs> called Intro, and hopefully it will be released soon. Yeah, it'll probably be probably. the next one that comes yeah. out. Um, yeah, obviously the songs sound really different with uh, the with the drummer as well. And there was some like gaps in there that was like, oh yeah, usually there's drums there. <laughs> and that's why that bit <laughs> makes sense.
<laughs> Great. Nice one. Is that all good? Yeah. Amazing.